Hope everyone's enjoying the reading challenge so far. We're coming to the book of Ephesians, and I'm just going to try to give you all a little quick overview and snapshot of what the book is about, a little background, history, and some key verses and terms to look out for. The book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul in around AD 64, about 64 years after Christ had been crucified. And Paul was actually uh, imprisoned um, by the Roman government. He was awaiting trial and he was kind of under house arrest so he had a little more freedom than maybe a typical person that was in jail would have. So he had some freedom to write this letter and he wrote it to the church in Ephesus which was a, a place that he had visited prior on one of his missionary journeys and had preached the gospel to them and a church had been planted uh, through his preaching and so now he's addressing them in a letter to further instruct them in the in the Christian faith and the and to further educate them in the gospel story and uh, one of the big topics in the book of Ephesians is the church and also our conduct or our responsibility as Christians as members of the church and the church as it's mentioned in book of Ephesians is generally referring to the church as a whole meaning the all the aggregate or the combination of all the believers uh, across the entire earth so that obviously includes me and you and all the other believers and so that's kind of what it's talking about when it talks about the church something that helps me to kind of un understand the book of ephesians a little more is the the book is kind of divided into two halves where the first half is you could you could look at it like a lecture and like paul is kind of giving the lecture portion of the quote-unquote class and the second half is kind of the lab where he encourages the believers to kind of put into action the things that he has been telling them. And so the first half is kind of from God's point of view, what God in Christ have done for us and all the things that have, he has done for us. And based on those things in chapters four through six, there's kind of this response or responsibility that now that God has done so much for us, what should we do in return for him? And so that's kind of how the book's broken up is those two halves. And so so you can kind of notice in the first half, it's, it talks a lot about God and Christ and the spirit and, and all the things that they've done and they are. And, and then the next part talks about kind of us and what, what we should do. And one, one striking thing that I think is cool is that the church, it gets depicted in a number of ways. But one thing that s sticks out to me every time is the fact that in chapter two, it talks about becoming members of the household of God and it, it depicts the church as being the household of God or some translations say the family of God and I think that's really cool because uh, as Christians we're not just part of this cool community that kind of all thinks alike or shares the same values although that may be the case that's not that's not really how Paul depicts the church. He depicts the church as being a family. And that's really cool because we have the same father. Obviously, God is our father and we share his life. And that is what makes us actually brothers and sisters, which is a very common term in the New Testament where the apostles refer to the believers as brothers and sisters. And that's what we are, brothers and sisters in Christ, um, because we have the same father and we're in the same family. So I think that's really cool that we're part of God's family and, and, and that's a deeper connection than just sharing core values or, or aligning in you know political ideology or whatever so that's really cool that we're part of God's family and that uh, that's kind of the Christian life that we have it's pretty close-knit and um, I think another thing to look out for is the way that Paul prays in chapters 1 and 3 there are two kind of lengthy prayers that Paul writes down and I think they're really 
awesome because sometimes you know we pray and maybe maybe we're taught to pray a certain way or we're just accustomed to praying a certain way but i i think it's really cool to take the patterns that are in the bible of how they prayed what did they pray for you know how did they pray how did they construct their prayer what was the content you know of their prayer what were they praying for why were they praying for so on and so forth and so i think those those two prayers are really cool to pay attention to especially in their context just to consider you know why was paul praying for this specifically here and here so that's something to look for look to especially you know if you're struggling in your prayer life or uh, wanting to upgrade your prayer life to uh, take another step I think it's really cool to refer to you know the some of the prayers that are in the Bible and 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 just kind of not 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 necessarily copying them but kind of taking them and seeing what 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 did the believers before you know what did they pray for what was important to them what did they feel like was on God's heart for them to pray for and so that's really cool to look for and uh, in chapter four there's this kind of phrase that it talks about until we all arrive at the oneness of the faith or until we all reach the oneness of the faith or the unity of the faith and i think that's really cool that paul depicts the christian life as being kind of a journey where we are we're not you know we don't we don't do it do anything perfect and so we're on our way to becoming perfect and so wherever god has us wherever we are in our christian walk and our christian journey we are on the way and so i just like to encourage everyone you know wherever you are you might feel stuck you might feel like quote unquote you're behind maybe you started maybe you became a christian later on in life or whatever and but you know, wherever we are, we're all on the way and God has a way to get us where he wants us. And so I, I just like that a lot, that we're all on the way to being made perfect, to being made one with one another and obviously made one with, with God. And for me, one last thing that I think helps to understand the Bible in general is just to kind of understand the terminology that's used, uh, especially in Paul's writing. He uses a lot of different words to describe what he's trying to say. And if you don't know what the words that he's using mean specifically, then it can be kind of hard to pick up what he's trying to say. So, you know, in, in the book of Ephesians, there's a lot of varying terminology that he uses. And so it will probably be worth your time to either in your small group Bible studies or your, your little meetups with your friends to read the Bible to kind of consider what some of the big uh, key words in the book of Ephesians mean, you know, like redemption. What does redemption mean? Or grace or even supplication or even the word stewardship uh, is mentioned. Like what is Paul talking about when he mentions stewardship? And so anyways, Ephesians is really deep. And, you know, if you look at like a Look at it like an onion. You know, onions have lots of layers. The book of the Ephesians is very deep and it has a lot of layers. And so as you're reading it, if you don't totally get it the first time or pick everything up, that's okay. Every time you come back, it's like you'll go uh, one layer one layer deeper and deeper. And, and uh, obviously we're going to be pursuing perfection in our Christian walk, but that only comes through practice. And so keep reading the Bible and keep studying it and keep enjoying it and let God's word uh, dwell in your hearts richly.